Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a judgment-free zone where all foods fit and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to all our lovely listeners. We are so excited you're here. We have a really good episode today inspired by some recent conversations that that we have had with some of our clients. Um, A common question that comes up, we are talking about fruit and whether, you know, the sugar in fruit is bad for you. Is it good for you? What is too much? What are the recommendations? So we are getting into all that today just to clarify everything for our listeners. So we are happy you're here. Um, Before we get started, Kat, how are you doing today? I am great. Today is a beautiful day and I am excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about this, to dispel myths, you know. I feel like that should be like our thing that we do here because it feels more often than not we're sort of setting the record straight and I and I love doing that. Me too. I feel like it's it's liberating for us, but more importantly, it's liberating for clients because yeah. we don't want, you know, and our listeners, even if you're not working with us one-on-one or in our group program, we, we want people, you know, to have the right information and, and feel liberated, feel like they can make their own decisions. So you're right. That's a, a lovely thing that we get to do for people. Um, yeah. What are you drinking today? Please share. I am... Um... I'm drinking a Syrah. I think it was last, was it last episode that you asked me? Yeah, you were like, do you drink? And I was like, I think I have a bottle. I did. Um, This was a, this is a Chilean wine. It's called um, Casa Silva Syrah. It's from the 2021 collection. This wine is really, it's widely available here from the Spaniard Casa Silva. So. If you're trying to go for a safe route as far as like, uh, tr- uh, what do you call like a trusted, trusted, very, um, oh my gosh, my words, consistent, that's the word I'm looking for, mm-hmm. a trusted, consistent source of good wine or um, vineyard, Casa Silva is one of those. And usually the price is very friendly. So this one was on sale and I am loving it. Good. I'm glad you have a Syrah today. Yeah, how about you? So I feel like this is the second time I've had to say this while podcast recording, (laughs) but I uh, don't have wine in the household right now, which is is a sad day, but we are going to the store later today. It is. Um, I think in the past I had Campari soda made an appearance. Sure did. (laughs) Sure did. And we discussed what that meant for you, which, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, for sure. I, I loved it. It was a great choice today. Mm-hmm. So we always, and I'm very grateful for this right now, we always keep a bottle of champagne in the fridge, you know, for emergencies. Like you never know when you need to celebrate something. That is such a good piece of advice for everyone. I know. I, I, I mean, it might be the most important thing we talk about today. Like, potentially. You never know when you need to be like, 
yes, this wonderful thing happened. That's a fantastic way of approaching drinking anything, but drinking champagne. It's a surprise champagne. You never know when you're going to pull it out. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's just a standard Corbel, which is a great fallback. It's it's always very, very trusty champagne. So I have a brute Corbel with me today, but you know, it's, it's better than nothing. I'm I'm glad yeah. we we had that, and I'm here to celebrate our podcast recording and this episode that we're sharing. So it is a celebration. Well, uh, cheers to that. Cheers. Um, oh, we gotta take a sip. I say that with some so much pain in my voice. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> Um, it's we, our are, job. we have a yeah, I know. We do this for a living. God, terrible. Um we have a really cool episode about fruit and the sugar that's in fruit. I think this is this might be I don't know. With nutrition, there are so many things that we do talk about that that does you know, seem to be like a, this is really important or this is a, a big uh, misconception. But I think with fruit, I don't know about you, but I've, I, I, there's a large percentage of my clients who have from one uh, source or another, you know, it could be like their doctor or it could be just be like social media or, or just like their family. Somewhere along the line, they, were told or understood that eating fruit was like something that they needed to limit or not do uh, because of the sugar content. And I am constantly fighting that battle, especially when the source of that information came from a healthcare provider, which Mm -hmm. what I've said it before, pretty sure I've said this on the podcast. I've said this on our blogs too, but if there's a doctor that tells you this and you're like listening to this episode and you're like, wait a second, what? You just you just send me that doctor's information. <laughs> I will make my way over to, to to some form of communication and we'll set the record straight. Um, I will make it my mission to to do this because I think this is an important conversation. Fruit is a big part of um our nutrition, like our overall way of getting some nutrients that we need every day. And uh, we just need to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I feel like it is so, so, so common, um, not only in the context of clients that, that you and I work with as part of our practice, New Thriving, but also just in previous you know encounters I've had with patients, like in an inpatient or an outpatient setting, um, you know, teaching groups, it is, it is rampant. Like so many yeah. people receive this message either from a healthcare professional or social media or news, you know, stories about how we should all be following a low carb diet and bananas are too high in carbs. Grapes are too high in carbs. You need to limit those. Um, the messaging is, is really everywhere. So, you know, carbs are the villain, unfortunately. I feel like there's always a dietary Villain. Villain, for sure. It used to be fats, um, Mm -hmm. you know, decades ago, which I still don't think we're quite over that. There are still, you know, definitely low-fat diets, you know, products being pushed. But carbs have really taken the brunt of everything for the the past, I don't know, 
10, 20 years, maybe I would say, maybe more, (laughs) but I think that it makes sense. Like I understand why this, this thought is out there. Right. And like you said, we are, we love dispelling myths. And I think this is definitely one that, that needs to be dispelled, um, consistently like over and over because we have to combat that message that is being sent out there that people need to, you know, be careful with fruit and watch your fruit intake. Um, I know as, so when Kat and I work with one-on-one clients, we do kind of a full deep dive and nutrition analysis. We really get in there about what, you know, nutrition history, medical history, what is, you know, what does your day-to-day look like? What are your weekly patterns look like? And so fruit is definitely something we're evaluating. And very often I would say people are eating, you know, zero to one fruit a day. Sometimes it's even less than that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into it because I think that yes. we probably have already given away. <laughs> is is fruit bad for you? We've given away that answer pretty uh, pretty quickly. But the, but the truth is, I think there's a lot of nuance in this topic where we sort of can easily get lost, especially when the source is somewhere where it's not necessarily super reputable or where um, there is some information that can be misrepresented. And so we'll get into it here. Um, I think an important part to start this is to understand that the fruit in, in, I'm sorry, the sugar in fruit is, is something that's often being told like it's too much and you should avoid it. So if let's look at what it's actually in fruit, right? As far as sugar goes, fruit, the, the sugar in fruit can be divided into two types of sugar, fructose and glucose. I think we've, we have a lot of resources on our website at nutriving.com in case you are wanting to kind of go back and see. Um, Kelly does a wonderful job explaining carbs and really f- sugar in, in general. So if you want to take a look at that, I highly recommend it. So there's, there's these two types of sugars, fructose and glucose, in fruit. And so how much of these types of sugars are present in fruit varies depending on the fruit. But often, it's not more than about 50-50 in each fruit, right? Like about half divided. That's kind of the regular amount concentration of fructose and glucose in fruit. Right. And we know that glucose, so glucose is kind of our basic unit of sugar. Both fructose and glucose are considered monosaccharides, which just means like one sugar unit. And glucose is massively important because it is our body's preferred source of energy. So a lot of the carbohydrates that we eat are broken down into glucose because it is this, you know, preferred source of energy. So the brain, for example, especially really prefers to use glucose. Um, So not, you know, this is in comparison to like fat or protein. Structurally, those just, they don't get into the brain. So glucose is really designed to be delivered for the brain so that the brain can utilize it as its preferred source of energy. So this is going to help us do like literally everything, breathing, walking, um, regulating all sorts of body functions, being able to move our body, work out, um, think like anything you could think of essentially. Yeah. And 
if you're confused about this um, or it kind of sounds familiar to a very popular diet at this time, which is the keto diet, we talk about this as far as glucose and the keto diet having to rely on something that is adaptive in order for our brain to be able to function, which is a whole different topic, but um, there is an episode on that, so you can check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very quick like glucose 101 situation here. Our bodies are amazing and they do a really good job at keeping our blood glucose levels at a pretty strict range. Usually, so you kind of know 70 to 110 milligrams per deciliter is kind of like the normal range. And this is fasting. So please don't go eat something and then test your blood sugar and it's like at 130 and you're like, ah, I have diabetes. No, you don't have diabetes. You're fine. This is just like fasting. But um, there is a point where our bodies will start kind of dipping below the 70 milligrams per deciliter number if we're not getting carbs or any kind of glucose source. Maybe you've experienced a little bit of this when you haven't had a snack in a while or you skipped a meal or something and you're kind of grouchy and then sometimes you can even get a little like um, sweaty or mm-hmm. shaky or lightheaded. Angry, lightheaded. Yeah. yeah. So that's when we start dipping into that 60 milligrams per deciliter glucose level in our blood. And that just means we're kind of, we have a low blood sugar. You've seen those um, sometimes in, in movies, shows, or whatever, you'll have somebody who's diabetic or somebody who um, has had maybe too much insulin or something and they need a little bit, like a snack or something like that. This is what we're talking about, that hypoglycemic effect. But things can get really seriously bad if that number continues to drop. And when I say bad, I mean kind of like death. <laughs> um, we can, if if the glucose levels begin to go below 40 milligrams per deciliter, you can start having convulsions um, and then end up in a coma. And and I'm telling you all this just to kind of elaborate a little bit more as to why glucose is important. We've we've kind of made sugar just in general a, a like the bad guy. Um, and I think there's a misconception, right, when we're talking about just overconsumption of sweets versus this kind of glucose that comes from carbs that keep us alive, right? So there is a difference. And glucose plays a very important role for our bodies to be able to function. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and kind of laying this all out is, is to help you understand that bigger context. So as Kat said, you know, in the keto episode, which is very popular, mind you. So if you haven't listened <laughs> to that one, um, give it a listen because we do talk about some related concepts. But kind of what you can run into, especially when people first go on a a very low carb diet, you know, a keto diet, Atkins, whatever it is, you feel really run down. Like you feel not good, you know, lightheaded, fatigued. And a lot of that is because the blood sugar levels, the blood glucose levels are much lower than, you know, your body has been used to functioning at. So you're going to get, you know, those symptoms coming up. So we are talking about glucose, specifically coming from fruit. Um, All glucose that comes from, you know, carbohydrate sources is going to affect our blood sugar, of course. 
fructose, so again, is a different type of sugar molecule, but, but similar. Um, the liver is a, an important you know, accessory organ in terms of digestion, and the liver is actually responsible for most of the metabolizing of fructose. And so when, something to understand, which we're going to get into, fructose can come in different forms, right? So you could have high fructose corn syrup, which we will mm-hmm. circle back to in a moment, or you could have fructose from actual fruit, like whole pieces of fruit. So when fructose is absorbed, when it's consumed by itself, so maybe not in a you know complete package like in a piece of fruit, for example, it is not super well absorbed by the GI tract. Um, Kat, do you want to get into why that is? Yeah. So essentially the, um, we, we call them, I I don't want to get too technical. I don't want to scare anybody here, but (laughs) in order to get glucose into the cell, some, um, some of this energy in order to pass through all the barriers that needs to go to where it needs to go so that we have energy, some of them require some, some form of transporters, right? And some of these transporters are very specific to the type of energy we're utilizing, right? Fructose has a hard time getting into the cell because it requires a very specific transporter, and most cells don't have that. And so it may not be uh, utilized as efficiently as maybe glucose is. So mm-hmm. fructose within the liver skips a step that usually it's really well regulated by our bodies and therefore it contributes to the formation of the backbone of something what we call triglycerides. If you're listening to this and you're like, what the <laughs> hell are they talking about? Like I didn't sign up this for is- a science lesson. <laughs> Uh, well, um, you showed up to one, so yeah. no, I'm just kidding. You probably have heard the word triglycerides. Uh, maybe they've even showed up on your annual lab work when you go to get your blood work done and you see your triglycerides there. It's a type of fat. And the fructose might play a role in creating the backbone of this fat. And and this is the connection I think that a lot of people make um, when they're talking about fructose as sort of this this big enemy, um, because there is that connection there. Like what we're describing here is not Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. Like there's nothing wrong with this process. This is how our bodies function. We are entirely equipped to process fruit and to process fructose from fruit. What we are not equipped to do is process, uh, you know, a shit ton of extra sugar, added sugar, kind of in these various formats where it can be absorbed really quickly and really easily. And that's when Mm -hmm. things can kind of start to get out of hand if you have a ton of sugar in your diet. So like a lot of added sugar coming from, you know, sweets, soda, things that are really concentrated and have fructose along with other sweeteners, but in that really concentrated form, which is very different than fructose that's coming from fruit because of the quantity. So fructose itself is the same molecule, but the quantity of fructose is very different 
in an apple or an orange, bananas, grapes, than it is in soda, for example, or cake or cookies, coffee cake, donuts, whatever sweets you want to to name because those have a lot of added sweeteners compared to fruit. Yeah, exactly. And I think here's, here's the deal. Fructose in fructose corn syrup has had a lot of attention from the media. Um, and we talk about fructose. We kind of make them all one thing. And we say fructose is really bad for you because it's, it might, you know, cause, which is a very key word there in, um, in the way that it's represented um, versus the way that it's studied. I think anyone who has read anything on uh, a, a scientific journal, we know that correlation does not equal causation. That makes us sound like the big. We're back on the nerdy train, man. We are it, just. It is our life, though. We just need to accept it. If you're into it, there's more where it came from. If you're not into it, maybe we're not for you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe stick around for the other cool parts of our <laughs> yeah. podcast. Um, but it's essentially, there is a difference here in quantity and where fructose is coming from, too. So if we're just isolating on the fruit subject, which is the whole um, topic of this episode, we understand that fructose is coming from fruit in a concentration that has nothing to do with some of the scary headlines you might read about fructose and chronic diseases like diabetes and heart disease. There is a big difference um, where exactly you're getting fructose from in the quantity that it, you're, being, you're consuming. Right. And this episode is a defense of fruit, essentially, right? We are talking about the fact that Many people have received the message that they're, you know, they should reduce fruit, they should cut fruit out, fruit has too much sugar. So we are really dispelling that myth here. And the fact that we're bringing up, you know, fructose in other forms, like high fructose corn syrup, for example, other sweeteners that, that have fructose and are used in, you know, sweets, cookies, ice cream, um, coffee cakes, soda, etc., we we are not demonizing those foods. Like the fact that someone might consume those is not bad for like it's not mean that does not mean you're gonna get heart disease or diabetes. It is most definitely about the overall dietary pattern. And yeah. I feel pretty confident in saying this that Kat and I will never ever tell you to avoid a food unless maybe you're allergic to it, like deathly allergic right. to it. Right. So, there's... you have to be deathly allergic to it. If you're slightly allergic to it, well, no. I'm if just you're kidding. slightly allergic to mangoes, for example, and you want to eat them here and there, mangoes are the devil. They come from the devil. <laughs> Cat's allergic, allergic, but sometimes she yeah. tries. Um, no, but seriously, like no foods are off limits. We would never tell you to completely avoid something because that just, you know, it doesn't make sense. It really is about the overall dietary pattern. So having a sweet here and there that has high fructose corn syrup is fine. You're, you're going to be yeah. fine, you know? Um, yep. but most, when it comes to fruit, like truly most people are not even close to getting enough, which it's a tragedy because fruit is so freaking delicious. 
And also, I mean, what's wonderful about fruit is that it is delicious and it's so nutrient dense. It, it Very sort much. of, I feel like fruits just like lure you in with their delicious flavor and juiciness and, and color. And color and it just overall, like it, depending on the season, it can provide so much depth to a dish or to a dessert. And and they lure you in with their beautiful colors and flavors, but really they're trying to give you their nutrients. And I think that's a beautiful way of sharing what they have in store for us, which we all need. And I think it's ridiculous that we're telling people not to. Side note on the high fructose corn syrup, I think too, if, if you want us to do an episode on this, let us know. The research on this uh, hardly ever talks about amounts or has a ridiculous amounts. And some mm-hmm. of the research on that involves animals which we are not rats or cows um so we're it it shouldn't we shouldn't use those kinds of research to back or to put instill fear in people that are just trying to have something that's perfectly healthy for them anyway um point number one and i want to say we talk about fiber all the time our latest blog post it's all about fiber please check it out if you're interested at all um it's really well written written by somebody um who i admire very much she uh (laughs) she likes to drink wine with me keeps a backup champagne in the fridge (laughs) (laughs) which is awesome if you're one of our clients you probably know how important fiber is and we've talked to you about fiber and different kinds of foods and all the ways that we benefit from having a high fiber diet. And I just want to make the point here when it comes to fruit and the fear mongering that goes along with just consuming fruit in general is this fear that you're going to develop diabetes because of its sugar content, right? Grapes are too sweet. Bananas are too sweet. You should not have fruit because you're going to have too much sugar and blah. Those people or whoever is saying this does not understand how fiber works. And it makes me very angry because if you know anything about putting sugar and fiber both under one beautiful uh, piece of fruit, you understand that fiber is going to allow for the sugar to be absorbed slowly. And not as if fiber was not in the room and sugar could just spike and cause all these problems that uh, people associate sugar intake with. Mm-hmm. Fruit comes in a perfect package. I mean, it comes with vitamins. It comes with fiber. It comes with sugar. It's just, it has wonderful things. Let's not forget that fiber is a part of fruit and it can, uh, it will not cause that sugar spike that everyone is so freaking afraid of. Mm-hmm. I actually, I feel like I have this conversation frequently, but I had, um, an acquaintance I was talking about this with, and she was saying how she has been limiting fruit because she's watching, you know, her blood sugar. And she was like, well, I'm trying to, you know, cut out sweets and I, I don't want sweets. Um, so I was thinking maybe I could have fruit, you know, here and there, but then, you know, my doctor told me not to have fruit and it was just, it was 
oh, it was so disheartening because she was yeah. she was trying so hard to do the right thing and she was being given you know an inaccurate message. So I was talking with her about how if you're if you're trying to reduce you know sweets, maybe you've come to a point in your life where you feel like. You're just, you know, you're craving cookie. For her, it was cookies. So she was talking about how she wants cookies. Like she has Girl Scout cookies in the house right now, and she just wants them like all the time. And she's trying to, she had the idea to sub in fruit as like an alternative, right? Something to give her that sweet taste. And then her doctor was basically like, no, don't do that. And that's just, that is, that's just a straight up harmful message. Like she already was not eating enough fruit and then she was told to reduce it even further because of air quotes, the sugar in fruit. So I am so glad she talked to me and she was so relieved because she was like, I really like fruit. Like I would love to incorporate fruit. And that is, you know, far from the first time I've had a similar conversation with people because again, this message is coming from a lot of places, often healthcare providers. So we all need to do better, right? I, I understand not everyone mm-hmm. gets training in nutrition. I, I totally get that. That's why, you know, there are dietitians that work with practitioners and I feel like I'm getting a soapbox here, but it's really <laughs> important if, you know, you don't have that background to, to make sure you're not passing on information to patients that is that is completely wrong like you need to if you don't know the answer that's more than fine Kat and I refer out all the time for things that are not in our wheelhouse because we want our patients to get the best care and so if you're like doubting a message that you've received like there's probably a reason that you have that doubt coming up and that's a really good signal to, you know, maybe talk with a dietitian, talk with us, talk with someone so you can get yeah. a more clear, scientifically sound answer. Yeah. Oh, so good. Another point when it comes to fruit that I think gets, this is where also the healthcare provider that says no, because you're going to get diabetes or you're going to get sick or whatever. Um. I just, I kind of want to talk, I want to interview them and be like, where are these people supposed to get their freaking potassium, huh? If you're just eliminating all this, where Mm -hmm. are the, can we, can you point it out? Anyway, that's a conversation for me and them, not a conversation (laughs) for me and the listeners who are victims of this uh, fear-mongering situation. But fruit contains potassium. There are a lot of wonderful, rich sources of potassium in fruit and about 98% of Americans, of U.S. Americans, do not consume the recommended amount of potassium on a day-to-day basis. If you're not familiar with potassium is supposed to do or what it is involved in, it's important in nerve uh, impulses or transmission of nerve impulses, uh, digestive function, heartbeat, the way that our body regulates blood pressure, which there's a lot of people with blood pressure issues. Um, It has a whole lot of very important functions. And if we're going to talk about preventative measures against chronic disease, fruit should be front center Mm -hmm. of this conversation, not in the enemy's side, but in the, hey, let's arm our body with the best tools to combat chronic disease. Yeah, it's so backwards. And and there's a lot of research, too, about 
the ratio of potassium and sodium in the diet and how that affects heart health. So most of us, you know, are getting too much sodium and not enough potassium, which is really a setup for, for heart issues to come up, you know, down the line. So being preventative and really prioritizing fruit in your day-to-day life is hugely protective, not only for the fiber content, but also the potassium content. Yeah. And this is where a variety of fruit is important because some fruit contains a little bit more fiber than others. Some fruit contains a little bit more potassium than others. This is where variety really, it's, it, this is why we say variety is key is because these are all massively important. Mm-hmm. Wow. Spice of life. <laughs> yeah. Make it fun, you know? Um, I would say probably the third point that I would make about fruit um, when it comes to a specific nutrient, I'd say vitamin C is a really big, big one with fruit. Uh, there's a reason why everyone rushes to take vitamin C whenever they're sick. Um, it's because vitamin C is just kind of a phenomenal vitamin. Not the only one that has immune function. Okay, I'm not just trying to give all the credit to vitamin C like we did a long time ago. And also, please do not take massive amounts of vitamin C by yourself because it's not necessary. It's a waste of time. It's very expensive pee, and it might actually cause some GI issues. But in fruits, it's a wonderful way of getting some vitamin C. Um, I don't know if most of our listeners know this, but if you are a smoker, your vitamin C recommendation is actually a bit higher than your non-smoker friends because of its antioxidant activity. And so vitamin C is absolutely necessary for all of us to survive. We don't, if we don't get enough vitamin C, we definitely have deficiency um, issues down the line. And it, it, it is important that all of us get enough vitamin C. For sure. So for these huge reasons, so we basically went through some of the, you know, the top nutritional qualities that fruit provides. So fiber, potassium, vitamin C, hugely important for a variety of reasons as we just went through. So because of this, if we look at, so just to let you know, like Kat and I are, are basing all of this off research and we have done a lot of research into different dietary patterns and, you know, what is best supported by science. So when it comes to those recommendations, for example, we have the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, which are published every five years, which is a pretty comprehensive science-based recommendation for things like amount of foods in each food group, um, amount of macronutrients, micronutrients, different guidelines you know, for every phase of life, essentially. When we look at that, on average, across you know lifespan, the average recommendation for fruit is 1.5 to 2 cup equivalents per day. So if you hear that and you're like, well, I eat fruit maybe twice a week, you know, <laughs> we're, we're trying to get up to 1.5 to 2 cup equivalents per day. That's a really big difference. Yeah. It's, and we need to get there, you know, because of all of these supporting uh, reasons and like why fruit is so good for us. Um, similarly, the mind diet, which is a, a very highly researched dietary pattern, similar, you may have heard maybe more of the Mediterranean diet. 
the MIND diet is specific for brain health. There's a lot of research around Alzheimer's, for example, but that diet uh, recommends specifically consuming berries for at least twice per week on top of fruit every day. So they're kind of going above and beyond and saying berries specifically have these protective Mm -hmm. factors and you should prioritize them. Yes. It's crazy that... um you just mentioned two. I'll go ahead and mention two more. But it's crazy that people have, just in general, they have this understanding that fruit is something that they need to avoid because of the sugar content. And here we are, two massive, uh, very reputable sources telling people, please consume at least this amount per day or per week for its protective effect against chronic disease. It's mm-hmm. just... It's the opposite message most people are getting. Uh, The Mediterranean diet, which a lot of people are familiar with, it's one of the most studied, uh, one of the most vetted diets out there. They recommend greater than three servings of fruit per day. Um, They talk about consuming fruit at every meal. This, this This is a diet that is famous for its heart health and um, healthy for prevention of chronic disease in lots of different areas, including diabetes, uh, stroke, cardiovascular disease, and even some forms of cancer. I mean, talk about ironic. Um, the, the last one is the DASH diet, and some of you might have heard this. This is the dietary approach to stopping hypertension. And this diet recommends eating greater than four servings of fruit per day as a general recommendation. So I know they varied a lot, and we have uh, one fruit specifically pointed out and some that vary between 1.5 to 4 servings or whatnot. So these are general recommendations, but I guess the point we're trying to make here is these are, these are institutions that have dedicated a lot of research to understanding the benefit of fruit, and this is their bare minimum that they recommend everybody consuming. So if somebody tells you that grapes have too much sugar for you, please revert back to these recommendations and know and eat without fear that you are actually doing your body a favor by consuming fruit. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of brains, a lot of researchers, a lot of scientists who work to produce, you know, each of these guidelines and to produce the scientific body of literature behind each one. So I think that's important to keep in mind too. Like, of of course, you know, there are criticisms for everything. Like we are not saying these are absolutely perfect in every way, but they are very highly researched by many, many people. Science is, it's difficult and it's time consuming and nutrition science especially is is so complex and it's really hard to pull, like to isolate variables, kind of like we were going back to, you know, the difference in fructose, like looking Mm -hmm. at it in a fruit package compared to in another type of package. It's really difficult to, to do research in a way that you can say without doubt, you know, this is what's happening. Like a lot of nutrition research is complex because we are complex, like human research in humans is really complex. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to say like the quantities that they're recommending, you know, the amounts of fruits that they're recommending, um, there's, there's not like a, 
I don't know. I, I think there's a, a, a misconception to like, oh, if I eat too much fruit, like that will lead to diabetes. I think the amount of fruit you would have to consume, it would have to be overwhelmingly large. It would have to be an amount that it would be sort of like if you were telling somebody, they'd be like, oh, man, that you ate three watermelons in one day. Like, mm-hmm. that's a lot. That's a lot. And it's probably should be a little bit alarming. I don't yeah. know very many people that overeat fruit, honestly. Uh, yeah. I know plenty of people that overeat carbs, you know, and that we're, when we're talking about things that influence your blood sugar, they don't necessarily have to be sweet in order for your blood sugar to spike. So mm-hmm. if we're overeating, you know, simple carbs and a lot of rice and a lot of potatoes and a lot of other things, they all contribute to a net, right, net number of, I, I guess, uh, of sugar spiking foods. Mm-hmm. So I... All, I, all I'm saying with this is trying to kind of understand the nuance of eating different kinds of, of foods throughout the day. Um, usually the culprit is not just one thing. Um, fruit is not the bad guy here. And, and obviously when we talk about moderation, we talk between these servings of, of eating, which is fairly normal amount if you think about it um, for one individual mm-hmm. to consume. Um, so blaming fruit as it will cause X disease or X issue, it's really kind of a an ignorant way of understanding food. Yeah. It's usually not the consumer's fault because they're not the ones that would know, you know, unless you studied biochemistry and you understand how these things work, which is not mm-hmm. your average Joe, which is fine, but I... I take an issue when there's somebody who should be qualified um, of telling people what uh, habits may or may not put somebody at risk for a disease or, or developing some sort of illness. Fruit should not be part of that conversation. Fruit should be part of the conversation of please consume it so that it, you arm mm-hmm. your body with the best tools in order to confront illnesses that may arise. Yeah. And maybe this is a nice nugget of wisdom to leave with you, but far before, if you're eating too much fruit, too much fruit, far before you get diabetes from eating too much fruit, which again would not happen, but you would be shitting your pants like all the time. Like (laughs) your body's going to give you other signals that that is not, you know, that's not the right pattern for you. Like your body is going to tell you that in other ways long before you are even close to at risk to getting diabetes, for example, from fruit. So we don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Eat your damn bananas. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you found this podcast episode helpful. If you have questions, if we said anything that was sort of like, wait, what? please let us know. The last thing we want to do is try to provide information that seems useful and then confuse you further. I hope, our hope is really that there is, that we provide a little bit of more room for food freedom, that you are able to feel less afraid of eating and more confident in your choices. And I mean, who doesn't want to feel confident in what they're putting in their body and feel like they're doing the right, the right thing by their own health. So 
Mm-hmm. Um, we do have an episode coming out next week. So if you want to tune in, they come out on Wednesdays. And if you like what we're sharing, if you feel like it's something useful for you, or if you know somebody that might benefit from listening to this podcast, please rate our podcast episodes. Um, it helps us get more reach. It helps us for other people to find our podcast. If you want to leave a comment or just leave a review or something like that, that would be fantastic. And as always, we are so honored that you guys have taken the time to listen to this. So I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful evening, or a wonderful night, depending on what time you're listening to this. So anyway, we love you. Bye. See you next week. Bye.